Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12. Here's Pastor Ryan. How do we become brave? How do we? You know, children become confident when they're around a strong and loving mother or father or parent or guardian. Children become confident, don't they? When they know they're protected by their father, by their mother, by older men and women in the church that are like mommies and dads to us. Kids become confident when they know they're around. It's the same way. The only way to become brave is to be around our loving Father. Our loving and strong Father. He is strong. So we need not fear. In Psalm 61, it explains it, verse 1 through 3. What do you do when you're fearful? The psalmist writes, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. We all face moments of fear, of doubt. What do we do? We cry out to God and draw close to him. And when we cry out, he draws close to us. It's a promise. It's a reality. And when he does, the fear dissipates. The anxiousness, the worry, it leaves us. It's only at his presence. In fact, I believe the Lord allows us to experience fear and anxiety and worry so that we would go to him. Imagine if we felt confident all the time, we wouldn't go to the well, we wouldn't seek him. But Jesus is always there saying, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. If any man thirsts, let him come to me. He who is fearful, let him come to me. He who needs courage. And God transforms us from being those who perhaps were introverts or shy, unwilling to be around people, social anxieties and all the things that people experience today. They always have, but it seems like it's more because now socializing is such a big issue that we don't know what to do with it. But we go to Christ and he still says, he who has friends must himself be friendly. Love God, love your brother. We become brave by sitting at the feet of the Lord. And we are going to need to sit at his feet more than ever. The times are dark. It is late in the history of mankind. And Jesus Christ can come back for us at any moment. And when we are gone, this world is in the worst trouble. We see what's going on and we think it's crazy. This isn't scratching the surface. We need to be ready for the Lord's return. We need to be found in Him, seeking Him daily in His Word, praying, fellowshipping, serving the Lord. Waiting at His feet is the key to erasing fear and discouragement. In Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Chill. Relax. Why are you rushing off so quickly in your prayers? Wait, I say. That's what the Bible. Why rush off? 
Well, nothing happens when I pray because you pray for like two minutes. Remember, remember what Jesus told the disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed and arrested. He told Peter, James, and John, wait here and pray with me. And he went back to them and they were sleeping. And what did our Lord say to them? Could you not watch with me one hour? One hour? Kids, it's the best thing you can ever do is to learn to extend your prayer time with the Lord. Give him the time it takes to speak to your heart and he will blow your mind. The problem with Christians today, and I'm included, is we don't wait as long as we should. It takes a long time to develop our, our hearts and to mold us to be more like Christ. It doesn't take 30 seconds. It doesn't take 20 minutes. It takes a lifetime of prayer and sitting at his feet. But that's where we become brave. That's when you do things that are above your pay scale, right? Psalm 18, verse 29. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. What? 18.32. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. It is God. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Wait a minute. It wasn't like the, the, the bow guy who taught you how to bow and arrow that? Nah, it was God. You mean it wasn't like the track coach who taught you how to? No, it was God. God gave me strength to do what was above my capabilities of doing. Because we serve a, a God who's powerful. And when we pray, that's going about our needs in a supernatural way where he can meet us and strengthen us and give us the grace that we need because we've humbled ourselves. We've acknowledged. We, if, we, if, if we had it together, Lord, we wouldn't go and pray to you for an hour. But we come to you for an hour of prayer because I, we, are in, we can't do anything in and of ourselves. And our lives are too much of a mess for God to put it together with five-minute prayers. It's too much. You have too much to work out. Amen? Don't, you, don't we have a lot? Don't we have a lot going on? Like our problems, they branch out. But when we spend time with the Lord, it's like, Man, he just comes in and like a landscaper makes a flower out of that tree, you know, just, and you're able to see. And so these guys were stout-hearted, but who made them stout-hearted? The Lord. Men who could keep ranks. And we, they're not the only one, the other tribes. It says that they kept rank, they kept their rank, they kept their formation. Think about that. When the going gets tough and the battle's crazy, who's holding their ground? Who's not giving it up? Who's holding that rank? Who's holding that formation? Don't break it off. Hold it. Wow, 10,000 can fall by my side, but I'm going to be able to just see it from where I'm at. It won't touch me. I'm going to stand right here. I'm not going to move. No matter what the battle is doing, no matter what the weather is doing, no matter what illness, I'm going to hold the ground in which Christ has taught me to hold. We keep going to church. We keep praising. We keep serving. We keep reading our word. We keep sitting at his feet. We keep, you know, being careful to maintain good works. 
These are the, this is the ground that we don't give up at all. No matter what I go through in life, or you go through, so help us, God, we're going to keep doing what God has taught us to do. The basics. When I am asked, you know, to help a person from time to time in counseling or whatever, I mean, we go to their foundation and find out what's missing in the, in the formation. The Bible says don't, don't associate with one given to change. The idea of looking to my right and seeing my brother hold his ground, looking to my left, seeing my sister hold her ground. Oh, we're going we're gonna to win some things for the Lord. When we hold our ground. Oh, it's a little cold. I'm not going to go to church. Oh, it's too dark. It's, I don't go to church in winter. We need to hold our ground. Keeping rank means keeping to the plan. Keeping rank means keeping to the plan God has given for your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58, Paul says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Like always growing in the work of the Lord. Always flourishing in the work of the Lord. Knowing that we serve the Lord knowing that we're going to be blessed with the reward when he comes for us. Or when we die. I mean that's coming soon. I want to be found doing the Lord's work. I want to know. I want to just. I want to be like this. Like oh what am I going to get in heaven. Oh my gosh. Just expectant you know. All these men of war. Verse 38. Who could keep ranks. Came to Hebron. And they came with a loyal heart. To make David king over all Israel. And all of Israel. Were of one mind to make David king. That's a beautiful thing man. They came guys. With a loyal heart. And the Lord. He, he has been so loyal to us. He has been so faithful to you and I. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. He is so loyal. He is so faithful. And my heart's desire is that we all would have a heart to be loyal to him. To be loyal and faithful to him. And the people, the chronicler is showing us that they all came. and They, they came with loyal hearts. Why were they loyal? Because they were loyal to God. And they knew that God was with David, King David, the shepherd boy. And so they came with a loyal heart, faithful. Oh, Lord, help us to be faithful to the end, loyal to you. If there's one prayer that you could ever ask, answer for us is that we would be loyal to you to the end. Loyal to you, faithful to you. And it says that all of Israel were, were of one mind. You know, throughout scripture, the church is exhorted to be like-minded, to be of one mind. To be of one mind is to be in harmony or in unity of thought. They had a unity of thought. Like, this is legit. This is real. Let's get behind this. There was a unity and a harmony to their thinking. You know, the church, if you read the book of Revelation, there's various churches in the world with various flavors. 
Not all flavors are your flavors or mine, right? Just like ice cream, right? Give me some caramel, uh, salted caramel, I'm in heaven. Others, it's pistachio or whatever. We have different flavors. And there's churches who do things differently. We're united in the fact that Christ is our king. But the operation of the ministries are different. But when we find a church that we're like-minded in, that's special. We live at a time where not all Calvary chapels are like-minded. I'll tell you that much right now. I'm only like-minded with the guys I realize that are like-minded as I meet them along the way. But there are some that kind of lean towards that seeker-friendly, hill-songy, song-and-dance thing or into the numbers or into presentation and uh, church building. But then there's others who don't care about that. There are others who think it's important to understand the times and to talk about politics when we need to. That's, you know, all are my brothers, but I'm like-minded with those that I'm like-minded with. And you are too, you know. And you go where you can get fed. You go where there's a, a unity, a harmony of thought. Because not everybody does Christianity the same way. And I'm not saying we're better than anybody else. I'm just saying that we have a choice to where we're going to fellowship. And I pray for unity. I pray like-mindedness. I pray that we would be like the church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation, that they upheld the word of God. They upheld it. And that's what I pray our church is, a church that upholds the word of God and that we're like the tribe of Ishakar, that we understand the times that we're living in. I cannot change. I feel so strongly about it. I get up out of bed and it's the same thing. Warn them, Ryan. Warn them, mijo. Warn them. Teach them, love them, warn them. Teach them half the time, warn them the other half. And the warning is teaching as well. So teach them the whole time, but warn them. Especially because things are changing so much. Right? Somebody may have been planning on going to uh, New York to commemorate 9-11. Did you know you're going to need a a pass for that now? See how quickly things are changing? So we have to be speaking about it from here, or or our people aren't going to know. Romans 15.5 says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were with David three days, eating and drinking, for their brethren had prepared for them. That's a beautiful thing. They were feasting. They were celebrating. How do Christians celebrate? Food. (laughs) Lots of food. But they were celebrating that oneness of mind, that unity. God in establishing the kingdom is showing us that part of the way he established their brotherhood is by them breaking bread. So many lives have been touched and blessed and changed. So many lives have been united in Christ by the breaking of bread in a breakfast, in a lunch, in a dinner, in, a, in, a, in some cookies and coffee, in a potluck. 
This is why we have Matthew's potluck. We, we're hoping and praying that in the sitting down, grubbing like crazy, that we would get to become one in Christ, get to know each other, and not just run off. The Lord expects us to have supper with one another. I mean, lives get changed over meals. It's crazy how God uses that. I don't know why, but he does. And to the Jews, it was becoming one in that culture with whoever you were eating with. So often times to build unity, all we need is a meal together. To be able to look across the table at a brother and sister and, and, and realize that we're family. And we should stop tripping and thinking evil of each other. All suspicious. I don't know about that guy right there. <laughs> all paranoid. You break bread and everything's cool. Does something. It heals. Book of Acts chapter 2, so continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. Yes, I will come to your house for dinner. I think when I, I think my eyes are getting better, but when I use these, then, then everything gets blurred. Does that, moreover, verse 40, those who were near to them from as far as Ishakar and Zebulun and Naphtali were bringing food on donkeys and camels and mules and oxen, provisions of flour, cakes of figs and cakes of, of raisins, wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly, for there was joy in Israel. When it says here, moreover, those who were near to them, doesn't mean near in location. Naphtali, Zebulun, these tribes, Ishakar, they were far furthest from David. They came and they said, what it's saying here is that they were near, those near to them, in heart. Those who were near in heart to David, but they were far. They came all the way from these tribes and they sent goods to David to help establish the kingdom. God used the love and the generosity of the other tribes far away to send the goods to the new king, to the, for the kingdom to be established. In the same way, as God builds the kingdom of God here within churches, he uses the generosity and the love of, of his people to contribute to the well-being financially of his house. There is no other way. God didn't need these tribes' money at all. But God's the giver of life. And God has given us everything. How can we be like Christ if we don't give regularly? H how can we? How can we say, make me more like you, Jesus, but when it comes to my money, hands off. I, can't, I don't have the faith to believe you'll take care of me. Guys, that's a serious thing. And I think it's a serious thing because of the days that we're living in. So unstable. I don't know if Costco, Costco will have toilet paper for us tomorrow. It's just an unstable world. It's easy to panic. It's easy, easy to say, I, I need to hold on to this. But giving to the Lord is, is a privilege. Because by faith, we believe that all the money he has given us, the jobs, the home, our cars, our clothing, the food. We believe by faith that it actually was given to us divinely by the Lord. 
And we are told in Scripture to give. To give. And we see them right here, just giving out of the generosity and the love of their hearts. They gave. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's a promise from God. There are people out there who will try to explain away that we, we ought not to tithe, that it's not biblical. What did I just read? What did I just read? What did Jesus just say? Give and it shall be given to you. The same measure that you use will be measured back to you. If by law the Israelites were called to give 10%, how about those of us who are under grace? Shouldn't we give as well? Or those under the law more generous than those who are under grace? Those under the law who don't understand what Jesus did on the cross for them, but those of us who understand? And there are Christians who literally try to talk themselves out of the command to give. And I say, man, you got, you're just stingy. You're just stingy. God gives you 10 bucks and you can't give them one? I say it to that person, with other people, they love God, but the faith isn't there. The bills are bigger than their faith. The debt is bigger than their faith. Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. Just, just read this 20 times. Meditate on that verse. Give and it will be given to you. So in your brokenness, just by faith, give it to him joyfully and he will give back. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It's the same concept. You give a little, expect a little back. If you give nothing or you give a little, then you should expect nothing back from the, why should God bless disobedience and a lack of faith? The Bible says there's a lot of ways to please the Lord, but none of them is without faith. Faith. Like they say, put your money where your what? Where your mouth is. Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The Lord is saying to test them in this. And the Bible teaches us that to test God is a sin, except for in our giving. God actually says, test me. Wow. I have. I was broke as can be. I was broke just like the next guy. I was broke. Maybe like some of you are tonight. I don't know where, you know. I was broke. I had nothing. And I was in debt. Damn. I had $5,000 credit card debt when I married Clarissa. She had 5000 in the bank. So, happy honeymoon, honey. There goes her five Gs. Zero. But what I'm saying is, look, listen, listen, I, I tested the Lord. 
all of a sudden, I remember getting the job that I did the most terrible, had the most terrible exam for a job interview. And I was like, number whatever. I was like, they were never going to, there was a, a list of people that were better scores than me. And after a year, I got, because people dropped out, didn't want the job, I got as low as 12. And one day out of nowhere, as I was just honoring the Lord in my life, manager came up to me and goes, I see, I saw you on the list. You're number 12. We can interview you. And I got the job. But I was tithing in my little security job with my little, little money, little pennies, believing that he will take care of me. Eventually, another job and another job and another job and another job. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.